Today's message text comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 to 9, which reads, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Song of praise to the Lord. Okay, nice to see all of you. Um one year right since uh we kind of went into covid lockdown uh i think it's very believable that it's been a year uh, i think like things went by so fast and then another sense it took forever uh to get here so uh, i hope uh you've been giving re adequate reflection uh, to this kind of milestone um i'm thankful for the resilience i think that uh, people have shown people around me people like you guys so i want to thank god for that uh, starting today we're going to start a new message series that will take us all the way through easter sunday uh, including our good friday service uh, that would be five uh, total messages um, thereafter we'll have a guest speaker pastor taylor field uh, share on april 14th um, as we approach the death and resurrection uh, of Jesus, I thought that uh, the messianic references in uh, Isaiah uh, would be nice for us to reflect on. I also wanted to do some messages on the life of Jesus, uh, basking a little in his personality uh, and beauty. Actually, that slide can come later. Uh, that's a little, uh, I wanted to set things up a little bit um for those who were uh here at the time and have good memories a lot of you uh, i actually covered this passage isaiah 42 in a 2017 bible study when we were studying the fruit of the holy spirit from galatians 5. Um, so probably liberally borrow from that uh, from the earlier message on uh, jesus's gentleness um, the book of Isaiah is generally a book of prophecy. God declared many things uh, through the prophet Isaiah, both affecting Israel's short-term prospects, as well as events far off uh, in the future. Uh, some commentators uh, discern not only numerous messianic references uh, that were to transpire 700 or so years later, but also some apocalyptic uh, overtones. Uh, the servant songs, servant songs or servant poems, uh, so-called because much of the book of Isaiah is composed in Hebrew, poetic, meter, and rhyme, 
contain lyrics referring to a special servant of the Lord, servant of the Lord, uh, who will accomplish God's purposes on earth. Um, there's some ambiguity as to the identity of this servant or if they're servants. Um, since the term it can be used generically, um, for example, to refer to the nation of Israel. But uh, numerous interpreters find something special about this servant of the Lord in a number of significant chapters uh, in the book. The language of the servant songs right, becomes more exalted and sweeping. Uh, and even though the servant is left unidentified or identified only in the broadest terms, the descriptions, they're really graphic, they're really detailed, they're really like eye-opening. Uh, and then there's a unique emphasis on what the servant will accomplish uh, for the world. And then there's corresponding New Testament pas passages uh, about Jesus the Messiah and his, uh, the way that he kind of epitomizes, he fulfills the servant song prophecies. Um, a lot of scholarly writing has been dedicated uh, to these servant songs. Uh, most agree that chapter 42 is the first of them. And although there's some earlier servant references, uh, some debate continues, but most scholars identify four, okay, four servant songs. So I've scheduled uh, the following chapters for today's and um, these upcoming messages. There, I need the slide, thank you. Uh, so today it's chapter 42. Uh, we misspelled Isaiah there, sorry. Uh, 21, next week is chapter 49, then chapter 50. Good Friday is one continuous text at the end of 52 and uh, all of 53. And then Easter, we're gonna look at Isaiah 61. So uh, let me quickly observe that Isaiah 61 uh, does not contain the actual term servant or servant of the Lord. So technically, it may not be a servant song, but it contains similar themes and imagery. And Jesus quotes it directly uh, when he inaugurates his own ministry in the Gospel of Luke. So I'm looking at five uh, servant songs, okay? So Easter Sunday, that'll be our planned text. Our title is Servant Song, colon, Just Gentleness. Right? So I want to get the idea there of the, the highlight of the two main concepts in the description in chapter 42. So his purpose, the purpose of the servant uh, is justice. So I just kind of played with it and said just. And then the manner, his manner, uh, gentleness. Right? He's going to accomplish justice. He's going to uh, establish justice uh, through a gentle manner. So the rest of my sermon will be devoted then to each of these two concepts. Uh, but we will be, however, jumping around the verses a little bit. Okay. Uh, justice. In verse 1, the servant is introduced as a favored instrument of the Lord, whose mission it will be to bring justice to the nations. Uh, the language used here is one uh, they call presentation. Right? Uh, so you're presenting somebody, you're kind of, uh, uh, kind of introducing them a little bit. And, and it's uh, often applied to God's um, appointees, like people like Moses or David. Uh, and then this idea of justice, um, pursuit of justice, establishment of justice, it's customarily the purview of kings. Right? So in the ancient Near East, kings were expected to establish judicial order in their realms. 
But the servant of the Lord, he's charged to establish justice for the entire world, all the nations, to all the peoples. Uh, indeed, the scope of the servant's work is worldwide, not just Israel. Um, this comprehensive reach uh, originates from the one who commissioned the servant in the first place. Uh, verse 5, this is what uh, God the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk on it. Right? This speaker, the sender, is none other, than, none other than our creator God, Lord of all the earth, the God who gives breath and sustains life uh, to all. So the sender sent this servant to establish justice on earth, even all the way to the islands, huh? as a reference to the ends of the earth, right? The furthest reaches. These where the, the people are waiting to put their hope in God's law and justice. So a little bit of word study here. The Hebrew word for justice is mizpath, or mizpath. Um, right here, it is the idea of right or proper order. So the ministry of the servant is above all to restore God's right order in the world. Uh, it is the life-giving order which exists when the creation functions in accordance with the design of the Lord. It is about dealing with all of the effects of sin in the world and about restoring God's work on all levels of society. So Mizpat, it occurs 200 times. Right? That word comes out 200 times in the Old Testament. It emphasizes action. Um, its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably. Right? So Mizpat, justice, 200 times. It's about, centrally, it's about equitable treatment, fair treatment, just treatment. So in terms of practical application, um, here's a summation that I found of Ms. Pat from uh, Pastor Tim Keller's book, Generous Justice. Right? Um, so it's acquitting or punishing, so depending on what's happening, acquitting or punishing, every person on the merits of the case, on the merits of the situation, the merits of, of the facts regardless of race or social status. So doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter you know, um, where you're from, doesn't matter how much money you have. Ms. Pat applies the same standards. Yeah, you treat people the same way. Uh, giving people, the second one, giving people what they are due, whether punishment or care or rights. Okay, so, uh, what is the just dessert, as we say, right? What a person deserves, what is proper and, and you know, right order. They're caring for the vulnerable, especially widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Um, yeah, God has a special heart. Mizpat includes a special kind of attention, not necessarily special treatment, but special attention. Don't forget these people. So any neglect shown to the needs of the most vulnerable is called a violation of mismatch. So those are kind of three key ways of application. And one can see the strong contemporary relevance of this understanding 
of justice uh, in America uh, today. I truly wonder if without God's help, will this ever be achievable on human effort alone? I seriously doubt it. Yeah? Hence, we need uh, this servant song. Uh, we need this servant to uh, bring this justice to us, this mispath. So going back to Isaiah 42, this servant in his capacity as a light to the Gentiles will act to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Yeah. Uh, see how that uh, develops those that uh, are typically ignored, typically uh, maybe even um, forced into this situation. Um, they will be treated uh, equitably. Right? Even back then, or perhaps even more so back then, uh, societal order was maintained by brute force wielded by the few and the powerful. The dissident, the broken, the inconvenient, the non-useful, these are all relegated to the dark hidden corners of society, often suppressed and oppressed, at best forgotten. Uh, but the servant of the Lord would be their liberator uh, in the literal sense of the word, then eventually we'll see also in the larger kind of existential sense um, of the word as well. Uh, we're not yet clued in to the full salvific nature of the servant's ministry, uh, but we're given uh, a foretaste in this passage of his aim uh, throughout the word. So, world. So, um, mispat, justice, that's, uh, that's rectifying justice, equitability. If that's the mission of the servant, then uh, gentleness, this is our second point. Gentleness is the manner by which he will carry out that charge, uh, which um, I will try to explain. The manner sounds a little surprising right, in the context of things. Uh, justice can, of course, take many forms. Sometimes it is accomplished uh, through confrontation and even revolution. Uh, usually injustice, uh, when held in power by an oppressor, uh, warrants a, uh, or requ requires a radical military overthrow um, or an expulsion of the oppressive elements, some kind of forceful remedy. Yeah, and Israel certainly ex experienced that kind of social upheaval again and again. But this servant, the servant of the Lord, uh, he's going to accomplish justice in a very unusual way. Well, normally, uh, royal or exalted figures smash and rebuild in order to establish their, ver their version of justice. This servant is totally different. He will not even break off a reed that is bent over and cracked. Instead of blowing out the most dimly sputtering lamp wick, right, a candle, He'll be more inclined to trim it and reset it more deeply uh, in the oil. Instead of efficiency, instead of taking care of business, there's going to be this personal care. There's going to be this gentle treatment of even the ones that you, know, you don't have time for, that the society ignores, that mispad is unavailable to, usually. The servant will not um, shout or cry out 
won't even raise his voice uh, in the streets. Usually an iconoclast needs a message to be heard loud and clear by as many people as possible. Our politicians and would-be leaders are often full of bombast and rossity. Uh, by choice, this servant will effectively not draw attention to his sound and fury, but through his actions and his integrity, will bring about the desired justice. Um, by way of contrast, um, recall the uh, kind of rough and heavy-handed manner that um, Solomon's son Rehoboam, right, his, uh, the, the guy who was Saul, David, um, Solomon, and then Rehoboam, right, was the kingly order. Uh, how he reacted to the request by his subjects to ease uh, the burden of labor imposed upon them by Solomon's building endeavor. Solomon did so much, right? He was wise, he was great, he was wealthy, but he put the people to work, right? He was ambitious. Um, and listening to the foolish jejune advice of his buddies, uh, Rehoboam tries to talk tough. He asserts that his little finger, I guess his pinky, was thicker than his father's waist. And if Solomon drove them with whips, um, Rehoboam would scourge them with scorpions. This was a ploy to strike fear in their hearts and to show himself as a man not to be easily reckoned with. This ploy, though, spectacularly backfires. It actually turns uh, the people's hearts against Rehoboam. And it precipitates the breaking away of the northern kingdom led by Jeroboam. Yeah. You know, God's answer to the oppressors of the world is not more oppression. Nor uh, does he answer arrogance with more arrogance. Uh, rather, through the servant of the Lord in quietness, humility, simplicity, uh, he'll take on all of the evil and somehow return only grace. And, and I think that is uh, the depiction of true power. And true power is not just having the means and the will to exert co coercion and compulsion and, and, and force people to do what you want. No, it's to be able to do what's right through a manner that is appropriate, that is edifying, and that it builds up rather than uh, tears down. Um, although the servant will be gentle, uh, no one should believe that he is thereby weak. Um, he is truly powerful. He will uh, prevail triumphantly. And uh, the servant will be beset by the same pressure, the same uh, hardship, which you know many of us smolder and are bruised uh, by. Though the servant is not immune from suffering, he will not be immobilized and he will not be deterred, not be stopped. No doubt his gentleness will win out. So verse four, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. He will not falter or be discouraged. Uh, there's a doggedness to his method. Uh, he will not uh, waver, 
even if the powers that be oppose his efforts, he will not let himself be dispirited by the enormity of the task or the non-responsiveness of those he tries to help. Uh, in my readings, I am wrestling with a book called uh, Bread for the Resistance. It's written by people who are uh, in kind of the front lines, the activists for either social justice or um, racial justice, right? And it, it talks about how do the, uh, those individuals, um, how do they maintain their fervor uh, in the face of hatred and the face of evil and the face of opposition? And so these are writings to try to encourage them. Yeah, the servant of the Lord is beholden to only one, and that is the one uh, who sent him forth. Yeah, so the servant is not uh, functioning on his own strength alone. He'll be supported by God, uh, for God finds the deepest satisfaction in him. God delights in the person of the servant, according to verse 1. Right? Without pomp, without ostentatious or pretentious power, the servant who belongs to the Lord will effectuate radical and permanent renovation of the whole world. The servant will disarm. Yeah, he will uh, even denude his enemies with love and grace and gentleness. Okay, so we talked about his uh, justice. We talked about his gentleness. Let's, let's examine how this servant song manifests in our Savior's life. Um, for example, the description of Jesus at his baptism, right? When the heavens rend and the dove alights on him and the voice proclaims that, uh, here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here is my beloved son in whom I am, I am well pleased. This is unquestionably intended to remind us of the Isianic uh, passage. And so from the beginning, uh, Jesus is associated with this servant of the Lord. And then in his ministry, um, he consistently and constantly preaches uh, and demonstrates compassion. Uh, when he encounters a bruised reed or a smoldering wick, that is people who are hurting, spiritually vulnerable, or um, even of little faith. Uh, he does not condemn them for their weakness. He does not come down on them with judgment uh, or guilt, but he speaks the truth in love, right? And he helps them see their true need uh, for him. Yeah, he physically reaches out and touches uh, the lepers, yeah, people that you're not supposed to have any physical contact with, right? Uh, he liberates the demon-possessed. He battles the spiritual forces of darkness, and he casts them out. He banishes them so that the poor soul who was the housing uh, for this evil spirit uh, can experience new life. Um, he shares table fellowship. This is an experience of trust with tax collectors who were one of the hated, most hated in society and the prostitutes, 
the ones that were considered um, of you know, the worst morals. And he even absolved a woman caught in adultery. Right? If you remember that story from John chapter 8, a woman is dragged uh, in front of Jesus as kind of a uh, uh, kind of a, an attempt by the religious leaders to try to catch, catch Jesus in his tracks. Who knows where the guy is, right? But this woman, right, is brought before Jesus and has that amazing kind of re recounting of, of how he right, kneels to the ground, starts draw drawing something or writing something on the ground. And when the leaders religiously just press him he says he who is without sin cast the first stone oh, it's just gentleness right there it's justice but it's done in a gentle manner right? and then all of his accusers depart and jesus uh, pardons the woman right he doesn't overlook or condone her sin right there's a justice because he's going to die for her sin but he treats her right as a human being as one who can be a recipient of that absolution. Right? In this one, I was thinking, even while he's in the middle of being crucified on the cross, ultimate agony right, uh, for a human being, for the, and more so for the Son of God, he's like concerned with his mother Mary. Right? And remember on the cross, he says, you know, to, to Mary, he goes, here's your son, referring to John the, Bap John the Apostle, one of Jesus' 12. And to John, he says, here is your mother. He entrusts them to take care of each other. And all of these are rectifying justice, just, the rectifying of injustices, mizpat at, at work. All accomplished with kind of amazing grace. Amazing uh, gentleness. Uh, let's take a closer look at one uh, particular passage from Matthew 12. Uh, going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how to, they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus is squared of taking on the religious establishment, which is out to control lawfulness with respect to worship, time, and place. Their domain was a Sabbath day and the temple slash synagogue. That was when and where they exerted their authority the most. And the, and the upstart Jesus was uh, in their gun sights. Um, the Pharisees had taken the rules too far, disallowing any type of healing on the Sabbath. And they used this poor man as kind of, a uh, poor man with a shriveled hand as kind of a test object, not a test subject, as an object, right? He doesn't volunteer for this, uh, to try to trap Jesus. But with his usual aplomb and incisive turning of the tables, Jesus exposes their wrong theology and hypocrisy. Again, the just gentleness of Jesus at work. You see where it says, like in verse um, 
13, right? On the hand, so he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other, right? This was um, Ms. Pat. Um, so in the aftermath of the healing, verses 15 to 17 tells us how Jesus fulfilled the servant song prophecy. And then I didn't have it projected, but 18 to 21 is actually a quotation of Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. So closing us out today, uh, in the imitation of Christ, uh, then how can we, you and me, uh, be gently just, right? Um, gentleness as a disposition uh, can be described as even-tempered, tranquil, unpretentious, having its passions under control. It is not a weakness or lack of inter internal strength. Um, actually, it means the opposite. Yeah. Strength under control. That's kind of what gentleness is intended to imply. Strength under control. The Greeks use this term when describing a wild animal that had been tamed, like a war horse or a racehorse um, that had been disciplined to do exactly what the writer instructed it to do. I read somewhere that people who are matured in this quality know when to speak words of correction yeah, and when to remain quiet and rule their own spirits. Christians who have the gentleness of Christ are balanced. They don't overreact or underreact. Yeah, wouldn't that be great if you knew when to react and how to react? Don't overreact, don't underreact. Uh, they've learned temperance in their personal responsibilities, conversations, and decisions. And they understand when uh, assertiveness or maybe remaining quiet uh, is in order. Yeah. Uh, Paul taught that our gentleness should be evident to all. He appealed uh, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He did not demand or insist or berate. Paul instructed Timothy to gently instruct those who opposed him. Peter said a gentle witness will be more effective in winning over unbelievers. And as you might expect, Proverbs, gentleness is found all over there. For example, a gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me finish with a mention of a famous person who I believe fought for justice with gentleness. So a key feature of Dr. Martin Luther King's um, civil rights movement uh, was his insistence that it be nonviolent, nonviolent. So based on Jesus' ethic found in the Sermon on the Mount, King was convinced that peacefulness was the only option. Violence would always beget more violence. Only bitterness and chaos and desolation would result. And so he eschewed violence, despite heavy criticism at times from his own allies. He only encouraged civil disobedience and love of neighbor, no matter who that neighbor is, no matter what that neighbor did to you. So in his remarkable essay, Strength to Love, he alludes to this uh, just gentleness, quoting himself quoting Jesus. Let me read it. It's pretty difficult to imagine a single person having simultaneously the characteristics of the serpent and the dove. But this is what Jesus expects. We must combine the toughness of the spirit and the softness of the dove, a tough mind and a tender heart. I think that kind of encapsulate, right? Justice and gentleness. 
in our world, which seems to reward assertiveness and ambition, you know, gentleness and justice, these seem to be liabilities. Um, maybe even in the Christian realm, we want to be able to tell someone off and not have to exercise care and respect to someone who doesn't seem deserving. But that would not be just gentleness. That would not be uh, a servant song. That would not be Christ's likeness. Uh, let's reflect on all this in prayer. <clears throat>